Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Redskins Addicts, episode 10. So this evening, we're going to talk about the roster prediction. Now, we all acknowledge that there's no preseason this year, and training camp is scheduled to begin in the next couple of days. Uh, some of these predictions are probably where you expect them to be. Some of them may be a little bit on the bubble. Um, I'm going to kick off tonight's episode, and I'm going to talk about the, the offensive line uh, for the Washington Redskins excuse me, the Washington football team moving forward. So anyways, I see us also keeping nine offensive linemen this year. I got that split up between four tackles, three guards, and two centers. The position that everyone's probably most wondering about is the left tackle position. And for me, a lot of people probably saying, hey, I think Jerron Christian's going to be the starter. Um, I actually see him being a backup I don't see him starting this year. Um, now, a little bit with that, do you think Sadiq Charles? Do I think Sadiq Charles is going to start at left tackle for us? That remains to be seen. Um, he had some high potential. He was graded fairly high, but he had some character issues coming out of um, LSU, and I'm not sure if that's going to set him back. I don't think the character issues will, but some of his positional acumen may uh, be his downfall. Uh, one name to potentially look out for is right tackle or swing tackle Cornelius Lucas. So the dude is 6'9", and he's an absolute mountain of a man, tallest player on the team, and I think he's outweighed by Morgan Moses by three pounds. So he's almost legitimately the biggest player on the team. His best season came last year in 2019. He had a pro football focus grade of 72.2, which out of 82 tackles in the league, that was good for 28, so not bad. Um, a question with Lucas, though, is his, his durability. So 2019 was his best season, but it was also his healthiest season. I believe this is his fifth franchise that he's going to be playing for in the past seven years. So he's sort of a journeyman. Um, but if you look at him as potentially either tapping him as the left tackle or even, dare I say, uh, to supplant Morgan Moses on the right side, he, he's, getting, he's in a perfect position right now uh, for this new club moving forward. Um Morgan Moses, we all know that he's been our, our right anchor for the past couple of seasons. He's inked up to a deal maybe through 2021, 2022 um, with guaranteed cash. So he has a good potential of continuing to start on the right side. Um, but we all know that Morgan Moses uh, suffers from false start um, penalties and even holding penalties. And one thing that I took away from uh, Lucas while I was doing my research, he only allowed one sack um, and gave up 12 pressures while incurring zero penalties on 507 snaps last year. So for me, that's that's very, very impressive as we're looking to shore up this offensive line and give Dwayne Haskins uh, time in the pocket uh, to dissect defenses. Moving inside, I look at the left guard side. Um, you got we got the West brothers, West Martin and West Schweitzer. Uh, Schweitzer being the Atlanta free agent pickup. Um, he's the only one who was graded out of the two with pro football focus. He graded 59th out of 83 guards. Not really great, um, but his pass protection grade was way better than Wes Martin's, way better. So if I'm looking at the two on just papers and, and how other individuals rate them, I'm giving the nod that left guard to Wes Schweitzer. Uh, moving over to right guard, that's easy. Everyone knows it's, it's going to be Brandon Sheriff. So he ranked ninth out of 83 guards last year. Fantastic. I mean, he's with with Trent leaving, Brandon Sheriff is definitely our best offensive lineman that we have. Uh, so unfortunately, we were unable to sign him to a, a long term extension. So he's playing in the contract year and a franchise tag this year. For me, I expect him to have a monster of a season. Um, he's been fairly durable. I know he went out with an injury last year, um, but 
Brandon Sheriff, if, if we're going to do any damage, especially in the run game, um, we need him to be a bulldozer, and we all expect him uh, to do that. And I'll finish up the offensive lineman right now. Talking about Chase Rullier, um, he came off his best season last year as well with a 69.4 pro football focus grade. Let's gave him about 15th out of 34 qualifying centers. Uh, so he's above 50%, uh, not great, but definitely workable. Um, Keith Ishmael, the rookie, I'm, I'm expecting him to serve as a backup. He's our 2020 draft pick, uh, which for me, that means that 2019 draftee Ross Piersbacher is either a practice squad player moving forward or candidate for waiver wire. Um, so that's that rounds out my offensive line this year. There's a little bit of uh, contention with where Cornelius Lucas may start. Is he going to supplant uh, Morgan Moses on the right side or is he going to be our left tackle? I don't know. I don't know. But that's my opening prediction for offensive linemen. After me, you'll be followed by Phil talking about running backs. All right, so we're going to talk running backs. Um, this is one of the most interesting position battles we have anywhere on this roster. Um, we have a lot of – we have a combination of known talent and potential. The known talent, of course, starts with AP. Adrian Peterson – Ageless wonder. You wonder how long he's going to go, but there's nothing that indicates that this guy can't give you, you know, quality reps, quality starts. He is a volume back, which means that he works better when he's getting 15, 20, 25 carries a game. And luckily we're going to develop, we're going to be leaning on the run game a lot. And I think that you're going to see, a lot of AP, but not as much as we've seen in the past. But you're still going to get a healthy dose of AP. So he obviously makes a roster. This is where it gets interesting. Who's going to be the number two that's going to pick up a lot of these reps that AP is not going to get? And is it going to be Darius Geis? Can we rely on him? Because he doesn't have the best history of being healthy. Are we looking at a J.D. McKissick? We brought in uh, via free agency. Are we going to go with Peyton Barber? You know, what's the deal with Bryce Love? We haven't heard anything on his knee. And then we picked up Antonio Gibson, who's supposed to be this X-factor kind of player. So it's just a matter of who makes it, who doesn't. I don't – I'm going to tell you this right now. Barber's not making the roster. There's just too much talent above him that – on an average day is going to produce more than he is. You know, there's just too much to go with. I don't really see how Barber, there's nothing that he does to me that says, yeah, you, you might want to watch out for him. He's an average back. You know, he did pretty well in Tampa Bay, but it, it, he never blew my mind when I watched him play. So Barber's out. Uh, then you have McKissick. McKissick does a lot of the things that I think Scott Turner's going to want to do in his offense uh, in terms of the fact that he does catch the ball well, kind of works as a nice swing back out of the backfield on third downs and in other key situations. So he does carry some value. And I do think that we're going to carry four backs. So McKissick makes the team, but he's the fourth back in my opinion. Maybe third. The other guy is going to be Gibson. Everybody loves Gibson's talent. He's got measurables. He's got 
this X factor about him because he's almost a wide receiver. He's almost a running back. He's never really been either. But my pause on Gibson, because there's other people in our group that love the guy. My pause on my pause on Gibson is because of the fact that we've seen him touch the ball less than a hundred times in the American Conference at Memphis, and half of those touches were pass receptions. And he was playing at wide receiver. So I what we have is a very limited sample size against not NFL quality competition. So there's a lot of the great measurables, but he's raw. He doesn't have the refined skill set that everybody else that he's playing against in terms of getting playing time. He doesn't have that those those refined skills. Hopefully he gets coached up. Maybe he can become something. But I just they see him as this Christian McCaffrey type, but a lot bigger, so he's more durable, can break tackles. I just don't see the refinement to make that – I can't make that declaration yet. There's a lot of potential. Hell, I think he might make a good outside wide receiver. Um, but he would have to learn the refined skills of that position too. So I see Gibson, McKissick, they're fighting for that third and fourth spot, very situational players. Darius Geis is going to be the one that really, if he steps up, if he could be healthy, he takes the starting job from AP. I think AP walks into this season as a starter. If Geis is healthy, Geis walks out the starter. By midseason, you're going to see a shift. And when I say starter, I'm not necessarily saying the guy who is on the field for the first play of the game, but he'll be the guy getting the most carries. Um, if Geis is healthy and productive early, he takes that position earlier. But, again, it's – God, can the guy stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be extremely productive. You have a large sample size in college against NFL-quality competition in the SEC. We've seen those bursts. We've seen those, those flashes of brilliance. But it needs to be put together. So – and uh, my other favorite guy, Bryce Love, I can't tell you anything about Bryce Love because I don't know what's going on with his knee. We've had no updates from anybody. So what, if Bryce Love is healthy, throw out half of what I just said. McKissick probably doesn't make this team. If Bryce Love still needs a little time to recover, they'll probably give him that, you know, that half-season disabled list and then reevaluate mid-year. I'd be on to something right there. I agree. I think they're going to try to sneak Love on the roster if he's barely nicked up. Uh, I think they're going to – I agree with you pretty much on all those guys. I think guys starts the year as a starter, though. I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I think he's going youth movement on that. I think Geis is going to get the lion's share of the uh, runs at the beginning of the season. It's weird because when you talk about Geis, too, I mean, he he beat out AP, AD, last year 
um, to start week one. I know, you know, we had the whole, the whole drama of, of AD being benched uh, from Gruden and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like, for me, like like you just said, though, Phil, I think the dark horse is Bryce Love as well. Um, we haven't heard much from him. But during his last college campaign, I mean, he was like a Heisman candidate. So, uh, for that, like he he definitely has the talent, and we we just don't know if that talent's going to translate to the NFL. Um, but I could potentially see him as the the dark horse in the running back room as well. I mean, so personally, uh, so Adrian Peterson to me, I think he's the wild card in all of this. I mean, you know that dude wants to play. He wants to follow the Tom Brady model, right? The, the Frank Gore model. The I'm going to play till I'm 40 model. Um, he's 35 right now. Uh, so <clears throat> if he stays on this team, he, he's, he's, he's kind of a force to be reckoned with. In, in my perfect little world, it's Darius, Geis, Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, and J.D. McKissick. But there's just too many unknowns. You have to know – you have to go with what the known is right now, and that's Adrian Peterson, Antonio Gibson, and – I, I, I want Darius guys to be the RB one for this team so bad. I just, I just don't know. Like I, I pray he becomes a starter by before the year's over. I'm praying he does. And uh, Bryce Love, I think we should just assume he's going to be on the pup list to start. That way, you know, he can't be on the practice squad. Someone can sign him over because they must see something in him because he's, you know what I mean? They're stashing him. So I think they see something in him. And it's funny that we have like, three running backs who can almost, you know, they're a lower grade version of Christian McCaffrey. We don't know about Antonio Gibson. He could be all part of Christian McCaffrey, but we have all of our running backs. If you look at them, minus Darius Geis, Nader Peterson, um, you know, Gibson, Love, and McKissick, they're all scat backs who can catch the ball in the backfield. So it's promising. So either way, this is a great situation to have. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're, we're having this situation. So it, it's almost like we win in every scenario just because we have so much talent. If you said something that I cannot vibe with, Gibson isn't a known factor. You, you, you said Gibson is known. <laughs> yeah. The man had, in his most productive year at Memphis, which is not in a top-flight conference, he had 80 – touches about 80 touches half of them were pass receptions we don't know if you can lean on him to be anything more than that not yet we haven't had a full off season we haven't had mini camps this training camp is going to be very odd i just there's certain levels of development. I've watched the, the highlight types, and believe me, you know, any any fan of this franchise, you know, you can watch those highlight tapes and just, figuratively speaking, pop a chub to it because they're <laughs> me. <laughs> but look, we're we're one play away from the reason why I, I said what I said is because there is a high probability based on historic patterns, I pray it doesn't happen again, that Adrian Peterson is your one-two back and Gibson's your third down back. Gibson is your new Chris Thompson. Just because of if Gary's guys get hurt, then, I mean, 
do you think they would rely on McKissick to fill that role or Gibson? I mean, they for running backs, they usually tend to lean towards the younger guys because – If Love is healthy, wouldn't you rely on him to play that role? No. I'm, I'm assuming this is – he's not going to be. I, I'm not even going to factor him in right now because it, we just don't know, like like Phil said. I don't even want to put him in the equation. Like, we could possibly be seeing – Guys, guys get hurt can catch out of the backfield. I'm just saying if guys, if guys gets hurt, you're down to Peterson for your one and two back and Gibson as your third down back. And then we're – there we are. So – all right. That's uh, like, Ellie, go ahead. I know you're waiting. I know you're waiting. So, man, I don't take blood pressure medication. But, man, when you say <laughs> guys is going to be the starter, I said, uh-oh, I might want to get on something. Listen, you cannot build your entire running back room based on guys who cannot stay healthy. I think we tend to overvalue the running back room for the Redskins right now because what do we have as proven commodities? We have AP and nothing else, right? And I'm not convinced that we couldn't put Bryce Love on the practice squad if he is healthy and expect him to survive the season on the practice squad. What is it that we have on film that makes you think that other teams are going to immediately go and sign him off the practice squad? Running backs are a dime a dozen in the NFL today, right? Um, Geis is incredibly athletic, but incredibly unreliable. And we have a young team, I agree, um, and a coach and an offense that likes to feature the running back. It's tough to say that you have expectations of Geis. And if he's healthy, I still don't think he starts anyway, to be honest with you, because what's the point of bringing Adrian Peterson back this year if he wasn't going to be the starter? He's a veteran in the league. Um, you know what you're going to get from him, and he's not a three-down running back, so you know you. He wasn't him. supposed to be the starter any year he was there, though. That the first year he was here, but he was intentionally the starter last year. Aside from Jay Gruden's madness, and we all know about that, but he is the only proven commodity that we have on the roster. He's been here two years. He's averaged a thousand yards a year that he's been here, or very close to that. In, in an age when the NFL is not really featuring a lot of a thousand-yard running backs, I think there were maybe five last year. Um, so it's tough to say, all right, you move aside and let this young guy, Geis, and he's going to his third year, he's played in five games, um, take over. I mean, it just you talk about the issues that in, in trusting the tackles on the roster, but my goodness, trusting running backs that don't show up on game day, they don't show up to the stadium on game day because they're on injured reserve is, is probably a bigger pill to swallow. Um, as far as Gibson goes, listen – Running back is the easiest position in the NFL to adjust to coming out of school, right? Is there an easier position to hop in the NFL and start playing day one than running back? I, I don't see it. Um, Barner. You know, you guys, what did you say? <laughs> Punter? Yeah. Listen, I don't, I don't think Gibson's going to get, you know, 20 carries out the gate. I think if anybody replaces AP as the starter by the end of the season, I think it would be Gibson, though. That's, that's my opinion. I think Geis has, has the potential – but I, we just – you have to see something from him in terms of continued play before you just hand over the keys to him. So. And, and it's hard because AP, like, like Phil said, AP's a guy that – we saw what happened in uh, Arizona, what happened to him in um, New Orleans. When he doesn't get the ball, he, he doesn't do well. You give him a spot carry here and there, six carries, it's going to look terrible. But you, the more you feed him, the more he just mm-hmm. wears down defenses. So – I don't know how they're going to split those first and second down carries in between him and guys. So 
it's is going to be fascinating to see what they do between him and Geis regarding first and second out. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got to counter a couple of things here. One is this idea that AP was our starter going into the season. No, Geis doesn't get hurt against Philly. He starts the next week and the next week and the next week. That was Jay's guy. Now, Jay also wanted to move on from AP. I think he saw Geis as the more explosive guy. And remember, Jay's job was on the line walking into this season. So you have to take that into consideration. Also, on top of that, I if you're talking about Gibson taking the starting job by the end of the season, you're hopefully discounting the idea of Bryce Love being back on the active roster by the end of the season. I used to come home late when Bryce Love was in college from work, and I worked Saturdays. So I always got to watch Stanford play. I got to watch a lot of Bryce Love. Bryce Love is an explosive running back. He's got multiple skills, and he's got a certain level of vision that is rare air for running backs. He sees the field, and we don't know that about Gibson. There's, those are the intangibles, field vision, things like that, that you don't get off of 80 touches, 40 carries. You don't know if they had that. There's potential, but we don't know that. And until we see it, I can't rock with that being a definite thing. I love his measurables. The dude's athletic. He's big. You know, we have four three nine, and he's two hundred twenty pounds. I mean, that that's that's sexy in the NFL. Yeah, he's rough. But you got to look at the guys in there. They have built stronger cases and a stronger legacy and have shown those intangibles on the way to – on the path to here. What's Geis' legacy right now? If his career ended today, what would his legacy be? Oh, he's badass. Unfulfilled, unfulfilled potential to be great. I mean, has he even come close to filling that potential? He hasn't been on the field to fulfill that potential. That's my that's that's his legacy then, right? I just yeah. said that. I, I understand, but if, if you hire a person to come to work and they show up five days out of a month that they're supposed to be there, but man, when they're there, they kill it. What's the legacy of that employee while they were there? Are you gonna be like, man, we had this great employee? No, that employee was trash. No, hold up, back up here, because as an HR guy, I know all about femoral law and things like that. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> You get short-term disability and shit. <laughs> I had no, because I've had employees like that in a workplace that missed a ton of time for medical reasons. But God, when they were there, they were excellent. And all you did was wish that they were there more. Exactly. Because, because when they were there, they were damn good. But they weren't. They weren't. But. You, Your it's best ability than, is availability. You can't show up is different than you don't show up. Well, not I mean, showing up because you physically can't is different than he shows up on game day and half asses when he's playing. 
I still say he starts. He, he, you can make a case that he did that too. I mean, we talked about the number of games he's been productive in. There were three. We also talked about the fact that all of his productive games came after Jay was gone. And the same games and, that AP was also really productive in as well. Um, you, we never, we have never seen Darius Geis get more than ten carries in a game. We don't know what he can handle at the NFL level. Is that fair to say? He has never carried the ball more than ten times in an NFL game. I can tell you this: at this point, I trust him more than Gibson because I saw him do it in the SEC, which is a lot closer to NFL, you know, NFL potential and talent than the American Conference where Gibson played. I, I, the college, college and the NFL have nothing to do. They're apples and oranges, man. No, it's not. Yes, it is. There, there, there are so many college athletes that kill it in the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, and do nothing in the NFL. Every is, quarterback from Alabama. Every, thank you. You can look at – the, the greatest running back that never materialized was that kid from South Carolina. What was his name? Uh, Marcus Lattimore. You remember Jim him? From, Richardson. I, that's no comment, South Carolina. Um, the kid. It's ACL issue, too. That guy was going to be the next everything. Never played it down in the NFL. Trent Richardson. I, Trent Richardson is another great example. There is no data that will support the theory that just because you were good in one conference means you're going to be good in the NFL. They mean I nothing. Say that. I said, but I've seen him play against higher quality competition that's closer to the NFL than Super. it is to any, you know, to, than any other conference to the NFL. And he was carrying, he carried the ball over 400 times. It was over 470 in the SEC in two seasons. And you're going to measure that against 80 carries in two seasons? And, and, the, and there's, there's a possibility. No, not, I'm sorry, not 80 carries. 40 carries. 40 carries, correct. In two years mm -hmm. at Memphis. I'm, right. I'm loving this. Me that, that tells you that he's better than a guy who was extremely productive and against better competition at, you, uh -huh. at, at, at LSU? What, you're you're saying, what he's saying to you is, is that, Ellie, is that uh, – that Geis was better in college than Gibson was in college. So? I mean, <laughs> he, was, so he was just better. He was trusted to be better. Right, right. And there's a possibility. So you hear about Alabama guys and why they don't succeed in the NFL, right? Because they peak in college. Because they get ran to the ground by Nick Saban and that, that team over there, right? There's a possibility that happened to Darius Geis. And you mentioned all those carries that he's had. And yet he cannot last for 10 carries. And how many carries did he start? How many plays was he in the game for against Philly before he got hurt? How many plays did he get? How many carries did he get in that preseason game when he tore his uh, knee up the year before? I mean, the guy generally doesn't make it past the first quarter when he's in these games. There is a very real possibility that LSU ran him into the ground. And he will never. That only happened once where he's been hurt in the first quarter. Hey, guys, no, it wasn't. No, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, it's not. In the preseason game, he got how many carries? He got three carries before he got hurt. The I don't Philly game, he got hurt in the second half. No, he did not. He got seven carries and he was done. He had 10 carries by the end of the game. Regardless, I'm still good. saying guy starts. Lots, lots of passion here. I, so with, <laughs> what the podcast audience doesn't know is that we're recording this one on Zoom and I can see Phil. And I'm pretty sure if we keep arguing this fact, we're going to see Phil stand up and show us the guy's tramp stamp that he has. And I don't want that to happen. Oh, shit. 
I love you, Phil. I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I was about to go get my guys' t-shirt. <laughs> I got a guys' jersey, so I can't say. Hey, anything. we we all want him to rock. I I think I think we got a good problem Who, to have. Whose jersey are y'all gonna get? Are y'all gonna get one of the new Washington uh, football team no. jerseys? Nope. I'm gonna get one, man. I think because they never they may never sell them again. I won't. One season. Right. A one time. I thing. wonder who's I'm gonna get though, man. I want to get a Tress Way one. No one will have that. There you go. True. Then then there'll be a collectible. You can sell it in twenty five years Nick for five bucks. The only pro bowler from the football team. <laughs> Ellie, right. so you're 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 tabbed to talk about quarterbacks tonight. Um I know I'm not sure if you're gonna talk about the ESPN article on Alex Smith being cleared, but we all wanna know how you feel about the quarterback room shaping, shaking up, you know, yeah. two, three, what, what, what's your take on the quarterback room this year? All right. So there's four quarterbacks in the roster right now. Haskins, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, and Steven Montez, I guess Montez is technically on the roster. Um, the report from John Kime and ESPN said that Alex Smith was cleared by his doctors, which doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot because he still has to be cleared by the Redskins team doctors. I just don't see them doing that. I know Kyle said he, there are some people in the organization that expect him to be on the field during training camp. I am terrified if they're even considering clearing him to play. We might as well just fold this franchise up and move to uh, Omaha or something like that. Because if in a season where we got this name change debacle, the front office catastrophe, and then we allow this gentleman to get on the field and something happens to him, our franchise is just done for life. I mean, it makes no sense to me why they would even entertain that thought, and hopefully they don't. The reason um, it makes sense is for the reasons you said it don't make sense. They're going to do it because they're right now in a shithole as it is. Name change, negative publicity, sex scandals, players with coaches and, and you know receptionists. They got crazy shit going on. A guy making a team that was a long shot to be on the team to ever play again is a good story. They're going to hope he never plays, but when he steps on the field, everyone's going to take a knee. The other team's going to know. We're going to be getting blown out, or they're going to be getting blown out, and it's something they're going to let him take the last snap of the game, and everybody's going to shake his hand, and he's going to cry, hug his wife, and stand on the fucking sidelines, man. And that's going to be the first page article on the Washington Post. That's what they want. It's a good story as long as he doesn't get hurt. Not gonna order, get hurt. In order, how can you say that? I mean, the guy doesn't really have a real leg. And in, in order to <laughs> take a snap, even a, a kneel down, that means he has to practice in in, uh, in the uh, training camp. And so you have a bunch of guys trying to make a roster because there's no preseason games. That is a recipe for disaster if you put Alex Smith into that situation. Um, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying any intelligent franchise would not even consider the option of that. Um, all right, so the quarterbacks, I think, are pretty cut and dry. I think Haskins is a starter. Um, I don't think there's a lot of competition or questions there. Um, I got Kyle Allen as the backup. Um, to me, them bringing Kyle Allen in told me that Alex Smith is not going to be on the active roster this year. You don't trade a fifth-round pick um, in a, in a, for a team that has as many holes as the Redskins do. Um, for somebody, you're going to make your third-string quarterback and just deactivate every single game, right? Um, and then Steven Montez, I, maybe practice squad, um, just because that's you, Dev's boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Dev I want to see him play, but too bad no preseason. That team lost. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Corona. Exactly. That, the, the lack of preseason, I think, pretty much spells the end of him. Um, 
but I, I do think he has a shot to practice squad. If I'm projecting, I got Haskins at about 4,100 yards, 28 touchdowns. I got eight picks, um, meaning that he's going to have a really strong season, in my opinion, um, especially for a second-year quarterback. Um, there were a lot of articles recently ranking the quarterbacks in the uh, NFC East this year that had Haskins finishing above Daniel Jones. I tend to agree with that. Um, I don't really have concerns for Haskins because I think if you, as you start to see these stories come out about the Redskins last year, you look at the unrealistic odds that he was against to even be somewhat successful and he still found a way to do so. Um, so I'm, I'm very encouraged by him and I'm still sky high on Haskins. Uh, so that's kind of where I see the quarterbacks falling. I think Alex Smith is an IR candidate. Um, I don't think he ever plays it down for us this year, nor do I think he um, practices if, you know, if at all. So, what do you guys think? All facts. I I can't agree, I can't disagree with any of that. You know, I know the Alex Smith thing is such a feel good story, but good lord, do not jeopardize this man's health for a feel good story just because we need one. I think Alex Smith even if it do it. You know. That's funny because I lift weights. I think I can get under a bench and rep 315 20 times. It doesn't <laughs> happen. It, it, you know, it, it, <laughs> I can feel like I can. And trust me, there are days I walk in that gym and I think I can. But it's not going to happen. Uh, there's certain th- – I don't know. I, I, I admire the fact that Alex Smith has battled this hard. And – the worry I got out of that Project 11 documentary was this guy's going to try to actually make a go of it. Right. No, don't. And the, we don't need that right now. We don't need this dude on the peripheral that we're already paying a ton of money to, you know, saying, hey, I can get in there. Remember, I'm a Pro Bowl quarterback, starter, former first number one pick. You know, I've got a history of winning. He's taking a knee. He's taking a knee, man. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he takes a knee week seventeen because yep. we're we're on our way to the playoffs. That's that's all I see Alex doing. I mean, he's he is officially my last Redskins jersey that I've ever purchased. But if we see Alex Smith playing in a game that matters this season, our season's done. We have nothing to play for. Um, yeah. We're gonna yeah. be really, really good if that happens, or horrible. <laughs> and more than likely will be really horrible or something catastrophic has happened to what we presume to be our franchise quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. And, and his backup. And his backup. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we don't, we don't got time for that again. The curse should be done, but this should, this is definitely the easiest segment. I, I think that we're going to talk about tonight. There's no real need to, to beat the horse horse down. Um, Dev, I know you got the wide receiver group, so I'm really interested to see, especially with Harmon going down, how how you think that that room is going to shake up. So uh, tell us what you got, brother. Well, there's not a lot of there was a lot there wasn't a lot of top tier, you know, free agents out there for the Redskins again after they went after Amari, Mark Cooper, and and I guess he pretty much just used us to up his pay for Dallas is what it really sounded like, but. We have pretty much the same guys we had last year and some and some rookies, but I, I think really the starters are going to be uh, obviously McLaurin's going to start uh, one receiver and then the other receiver in the slot is going to be uh, Sims Jr. 
it's going to be interesting with Haskins out, who's going to start the other side. It could be uh, AGG, but I honestly think to start the year, it's going to be Cody Latimer. Um, that's who I have starting it. There's a couple of guys in the slide. I see Quinn could now make the team now that uh, Harmon's going to be on IR all year. Um, Isaiah Wright playing. It's going to be hard to say. Do they keep six receivers or seven? I don't know. I don't know who's going to come out of that. But my starters right now would be AGG, I guess, Sims in the slide, and McLaurin just to play it safe. But Cody Latimer will probably start. Yeah, but isn't he still facing uh, legal issues? Do we know where that stands? You know what? I forgot right all now. about that. Wow. Right. Didn't, didn't he get into some, 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 some shit a couple yeah. months ago? Somebody was abusing this kid or somebody found him out or something like that. Yeah. The Washington Post at least reported seven hours ago that um, he's, he's scheduled to go to court for his May arrest, but he's also expected to report to uh, the training camp. So he, he appeared in court, um, I guess, recently. This is posted seven hours ago. So, yeah, he, he may be starting. I, I hope so. I think he had a gun charge, though. Um, right. I'm trying to find out what the exact charges were. They had a gun charge Sunday end up finding out that he was there with somebody that was accused of doing something to one of his kids. Right. Yeah, um, so second-degree medicine, illegal discharge of a firearm. So, wow, he actually fired the fucking thing. Uh, right. That's so if, if true, it's it's rightfully justified. Yes, yeah. without a doubt. But the, the way that prosecutors look at, hate to say it, black men discharging firearms in America <laughs> uh, might yeah, be justified. Seven years. Yeah. It might be justified, fellas, but that's where's he? At? Where was this at? Is it Denver, Co Douglas yeah, County, Colorado? So that's where came I don't, from. I don't know how that state leans as far as their gun um, prohibitions, but anytime you discharge a firearm, sometimes it's worse to just shoot a firearm and not hit something than actually shoot someone in the chest. Um, oddly enough, the way the, the laws are written, but I think he has the talent, like you said, Dev, to to be a starter. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, but it, it almost look at what Ron Rivera was saying earlier when you, you talk about A.B. and Gordon, all those guys potentially getting linked to us. He always says, is you know, what about the youth movement? He seems to be overly concerned with the youth. And I know that Lattimore was a free agent pickup, so maybe he's factored in a little bit differently. But um, we'll see. Hey guys, coaches usually don't pick up uh, guys' free agency if they don't want them to make the team. No, absolutely. That's you know, what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah yeah for sure and, but i think that with with uh kevin Harmon going down that maybe opened a spot at that other receiver for a guy like cam sims but you know cam sims you know he was exclusively like a slide at alabama he played a little bit here so i'm not sure where you put cam sims either does he make the team now i think he does. that was my wild that was my wild card but so 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 the, if, if cam sims makes a team at that point you would need seven receivers so you got agg McLaurin. So, uh, so, so here's a, how many receivers does a normal team keep on their on their six or seven, or? depending on how many tight ends they keep, and how many play special teams, also, right? So right. Do, That's why I said Isaiah Wright will come in, okay, and Steven Sims won't. Isaiah Wright will come in, or maybe uh, Jonathan Johnson now. Latimer is a, a punt returner too. So is Jonathan Johnson. So play slot. Here, we only got one slot receiver if you're not keeping Quinn. I think 
it's going to be, when the dust settles, it's going to be McLaurin. And it's going to be Antonio Gandy-Golden across from him as a starter. And it's going to be Sims in the slot. Um, even Sims. And then the rest are just going to duke it out. I don't, I think with all the issues with Latimer, I don't, I don't think he's going to, I don't think they're going to, if they're really trying to instill all this culture and all this stuff and the youth movement, if you look at outside of Latimer, every single one of the receivers on this depth chart has two years or less. I'm sorry, Trey Quinn and Cam Sims, three years. Everyone else, two years or less. So once again, it's a great problem to have. I think it's McLaurin. I think it's um, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and I think it's Stevenson. That's your three. If you got to go four, I mean, pick your poison. Isaiah Wright. Yeah, Isaiah Wright. I mean, (laughs) lots of of options. We're sleeping on Darvin Kidsey, too, man. He made the team last year. Yeah, he's got talent, right? So I don't know. I don't know enough about this Manuel Hall guy, though. They're all t- they're all taller. The good thing is six two runs a four three nine man. They're That's- all big bodies, which is another great problem to have. We've never had this problem before. Six two four three. You know, I think I think another interesting thing we got to consider too, guys, with the preseason everything being cut. The typical roster size in training camp is ninety. It's been cut to eighty. So off the rip, they're already cutting ten players. You know, so that that's going to hit every roster position for sure. Um, but a team that's starving for talent at the wide receiver position. <sighs> I'm not sure if we're going heavy in the evaluation phase and then we cut it as we get closer to, uh, to starting day, but opening day rather, but it's, it's a good problem to have Steve. Like you said, we got some guys with size, um, but it's just the, the known unknowns. If you're going to take a Don Rumsfeld quote, um, you got your known knowns, your known unknowns. We got a lot more known unknowns with this, roster in the wide receiver room. I just the only thing I'm gonna add to that is just I don't we tend to have this love affair with players who have really done nothing. And I think Cam Cam Sims is another one of those guys. I don't know where these expectations come from for him for a guy who's been in the league two years and has two catches. You know what I'm saying? Two years ago. <laughs> Because he's six five. Because he's six five. That's probably why. Five high point the ball. And when has he done it in the game? Or when is he talent guy? And if you have leave dev, you want to keep talent guys. He's been on the team and he's had his opportunities constantly to do something, and he has never done anything. And I agree, you can't you can't create size, right? Because you know he's six five, and that's cool. He doesn't Um, separate. That's the thing. He doesn't do anything. I mean, at this point in his career, see. This is this is us coming from an abused relationship with our franchise where we've had so little to hang on to that we tend to hold on to these hopeful things, whereas other normal franchises would have been like, that guy doesn't do crap. He didn't belong here. He hasn't earned his way onto a roster. We have to step out of that. And hopefully Ron Rivera kind of ushers this era in for us where we step out of this broken relationship with these players because it's all we have to cling to is guys that we root for underdogs and instead look for good talented players that produce. Um, I would personally think that Kidsey would make it over him just because I think he brings another element of quickness. And that seems to be the direction of the offense. Um, but even he, he's been on the roster for a couple of years too. I think you mentioned that Dev and he's had a couple special teams plays and right. um, you know, some preseason catches, but I don't care anybody beyond the top three who makes this roster because none of them done anything, in my opinion, to really warrant 
um, and justify being on an NFL roster at this point. So, it, you know, I don't have any argument with anybody who says Cam Sims over anybody else, but I just, I hope that this time next year we're evaluating players based on talent and not so, how, you know. So you don't think, you think, do you think Trey Quinn makes the team? Man, I hate Trey Quinn with a passion, but. Uh, we wouldn't yeah. miss anything if he left. I'll tell you that right now. And it, the two rookies that, I'm telling you, this is, that I hate to say that word, but new regime, um, yeah. Antonio Gandy-Golden and Isaiah Wright. Those were drafted by Ron Rivera. And there's another guy, Jonathan Johnson, who I know nothing about. Yeah, he's quick. He's, five, he's only 5'8", but at Mizzou, he was quick. He's like Sims, kind of. Yeah. You know, Gandy Golden, Isaiah Wright will have favor over those other guys. Kind of for what Ellie said too. They've done nothing, and these guys are in favor of the new coaching staff. So they just have a leg up on everybody else. Look, I would have, I honestly going into the season didn't even see Cam Sims making the roster. I saw, I kind of like how Ellie said, it's like, dude, love your potential. Love to watch you in Alabama, but what have you done for us? Um, and, you know, he's had a hard time just getting onto the roster. Right. At the same time, I don't know how much of that is Jay, because Jay is the same guy who would have a 6'5 guy who can high point the ball, and he'll throw fade routes to 5'11 guys. <laughs> so, it's that – see, that's the thing. We always talk about that whole – deal with Griffin where it was like quarterback where he had such a bad game you couldn't evaluate the offense now that I'm really looking at things it's like Jay sometimes made such baffling personnel choices at times that it's hard to be able to evaluate the players because he had them all in the wrong position so I would have seen Cam Sims not making this roster at all until Harmon got hurt when Harmon Got that uh, surgery. They said he's going to be out for the season. I said, suddenly it's like, well, now we need an outside big body. He does fit that role, and he may better fit what Scott Turner wants to do than some of these other guys, especially if Turner's going to use you know, some of those, uh, you know, Air Coriel passing game techniques. That's like why use. I thought Emmanuel Hawley, 6'2", runs a 4'3'9". Yeah. Who was the big body receiver in Carolina last year for him? Right? Didn't they have DJ Moore and Funches. uh nah, Funches wasn't there last year, and I think they still did pretty well. So Phil, I don't disagree with you. I just don't think it's a necessity of the offense. And we do have Gandy Golden. I actually think that we're probably more likely to sign a veteran receiver that might get cut unexpectedly from another roster than we are to go with the rest of our receivers being these young guys that are currently here. Responsibility. I agree. Hey, Ellie, let's um let's close up the offensive side of the ball tonight. I know you um were focusing on the tight ends this week as well. So uh, how do you see that room shaking up? We got we got a new rookie coming in with the uh, the, the sexy name, uh, the undrafted free agent, and um, Thaddeus Moss, and then we got Logan Thomas, who I know is Steve's uh, favorite player on the roster. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I know Steve wanted to take the tight end group. I, I think you guys did a, a gentleman's handshake. I know he's focusing on defensive side of the ball, but I'm interested to see how you're feeling about the tight end group. And I know we need a lot of help. We lost Jordan Reed. Um, and, well, he doesn't really count because he wasn't really available. But Jordan Reed left. Um, who the hell is the damn dude? Like, 
Richie Maryland Robinson. dude. Maryland guy who just uh retired. Logan. Oh, Vernon Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Jesus, he's he's freaking throwing a blank for me. But we got two holes in the tight end group. So I, I really want to know how you see this shaking out in twenty twenty. All right, first player cut Logan Thomas. I'm just kidding. All right, so <laughs> God dang. we have uh, so I think there's five tight ends on the roster: um, Jeremy Sprinkle, Logan Thomas, Richard Rogers, Thaddeus Moss, and Hale Hintages. Um, I think we probably keep. It depends on what we do at receiver. Uh, if we go seven, I think we might have to lose one here because I think we're also probably gonna keep an extra alignment too. So we might go three here. Um, I think Sprinkle will kick off the season as the incumbent starter. I don't think that's going to last very long. Um, I think Logan Thomas was I, – I, I tend to think that because they're the ones that brought him into our organization, he was one of the first signings that they made. I think he might be um, the eventual starter there. I don't think Richard Rodgers makes the team. Um, it's just he has such a long shot and again his NFL career he had that one really good year and I think he's just not been available due to injuries um and then I think Thaddeus Moss will end up being our second tight end I think primarily in run blocking situations goal line and third down situations um and Hell Hintages who showed a little bit of potential I think it's probably uh, a practice squad guy for us this year um in terms of projections I got Sprinkle with 11 catches, just over 100 yards, a touchdown. Logan Thomas, I got 48 catches, 500-plus yards, and five touchdowns. Richard Rodgers not making the roster. Thaddeus Moss, uh, I got 32 catches, 360, four touchdowns, primarily red zone touchdowns. Um, and then, like I said, Hill is just on the practice squad. So that's how I see that shaping up. By, by the way, one thing to add, you know now with the new practice squad set up, you can actually – uh, designate a veteran on the practice squad this year, and you can designate him as not being able to be touched by other teams. That's one of the concessions that they, that they really be the room. It used to yeah. be if you were only in your what first two years, you could be on right. the practice squad. You can have a veteran. I think it has to be. It's like an age group they put in there. But I heard it on the radio today. They were saying you get you can have one for each team that okay. uh, out of the four. And I, nobody in this tight end group would qualify for that. That would be a waste of a practice squad spot for that, for me, for anybody in this group. And I think we can get by with what we have. I mean, it's not a real strong group, and I don't know that this is going to be a, a primary focus of the offense because of the lack of talent there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Logan Thomas eventually leads the way for us. I'm interested because Thad Moss played at LSU, and we know that's SEC. And the way that Phil was uh, keeping for <laughs> guys earlier, I'm pretty sure Thad Moss is a fucking Hall of Famer boy still. Uh, I, I want to know if Phil has anything to say about this. I see him smiling up there. <laughs> um, you know, I did compare him to Cooley on draft night. Uh, so, <laughs> um, it's funny because I'm not even an LSU fan, uh, but. I actually agree with a lot of what Ellie said. Um, what? Say that again. <laughs> Say that one more goddamn time. For the people in the back. Ellie was what? I said I agree with a lot of what he said. I didn't say it was 100%. <laughs> um, I'm not – I don't know why. I, for some reason, I can't get quite get on that Logan Thomas train. 
uh, like everyone else that has. But he's also kind of been under my radar since he went pro. I remember him as a quarterback at Virginia Tech. So right. for me, it's like I never paid attention. He went to the NFL. I found out he was a tight end. I was like, well, I guess they did to him what they couldn't do to Tebow. And they did to Jordan Reed. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I, and that was it because, you know, I'm not even a Virginia Tech fan, so what the fuck's Logan Thomas to me? But I can see where a lot of that kind of plays out. Sprinkle is the known commodity, and you know that he's at, can at least be pretty solid. He's pretty solid in the run game. He can catch a pass or two. He can also drop a pass or two. And that's, yeah, where I could see Logan Thomas easily taking that from him. But I could also see where that's how Thad Moss takes it from him. Moss is raw. Um, but he's got a lot of, you know, he got a lot of experience at LSU. And, you know, you saw some flashes of potential there. So I think that if we go late in the season, you're going to probably see some two tight end packages. They're going to be Logan Thomas and Thad Moss and, you know, I'd like to see us get another Cooley. We got to remember that this uh, Carolina under Ron Rivera ran with Greg Olson for how many years? Right. And you want to have as many safe targets, safety valves for a young quarterback like Dwayne Haskins as possible. So while we don't have a great bunch of tight ends, I don't see anywhere, anything, any situation where you can look at these tight ends and go, oh, God, just hand, hand that group an L right now. There's, there's enough talent to at least be serviceable to get the job done and make a play or two. So, I mean, I think Logan Thomas is the odds-on favorite, but by the end of the season, yeah, don't be surprised if Thad Moss is showing up a lot more. Yeah, Logan Thomas, too, he's interesting because I, I believe he played quarterback in college. Is, is trying to, he did. Uh, yeah, yep. so he transferred, he did. Uh, did a positional change coming into the NFL, I think, with Detroit. I'm not sure. Yep. What, okay, so uh, yeah. He played quarterback fun. for the Cardinals for a while. Yep, he's a as a backup. Year, and then he's been playing tight end, I think, for a couple of years. He okay. was recruited out of high school as a tight end, though, I believe. And it made a he was. Out. He was, absolutely. So I think I think that what I was trying to get to with that, at least with Logan Thomas, you have a smart player. Um, he has the size to be a tight end, but he understands the football field. So I think that's – I'm not going to say he has Jordan Reed-type talent, but um, it's it may be – more beneficial than we would imagine. Now, Thad Moss, I was one of the dudes who wanted us to draft him. He ended up falling on our lap undrafted. So that just shows how much I know about the, uh, the scouting process. But with him, there wasn't – I think the name was majestic to me and, and many other people as well. You hear Randy Moss's son, holy crap, like this dude must be special. But he didn't have any football play until last year. Um, and probably one of the greatest football seasons for a quarterback in Joe Burrow. So I, I don't want to say all of his success in production is, is based on Joe Burrow, but you don't know, I think. So that's, that's the unknown with him. But I think some of the statistics that at least come from Moss are promising. So in his one season with, you know, LSU as a full-time player, he set the tie on record for catches with 47 yards, 570 and right. then I think the most impressive stat for me 
He ranks second in the country among all tight ends um, with 42 catchable targets without the drop. Um, so if we can teach him how to be a professional, if we can teach him the ropes of, of, of how to play the tight end position like we want him to play in, in D.C., that stat may be good because there are some catches, some balls thrown um, mm-hmm. that were dropped uh, quite often last season, and it, it wasn't specific to the tight end group. It was pretty much wide receiver, running back, tight end. Um, a couple plays could have been made. So if, if you have what we still have, a young quarterback, and we all know that a tight end is one of their biggest safety valves. That's a good uh, statistic to have uh, moving forward. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm going to finish it up this way. I think um, Thaddeus Moss, to agree with Phil, has the absolute potential to be the number one guy. And I think, honestly, it's better for the team long term if he is the number one guy because he has the size. His athleticism is very underrated because he didn't – I don't believe he worked out at the Combine in terms of 40s and things like that, because I think he was hurt. Um, But he's a true tight end, whereas, you know, as good as Jordan Reed was, he – I think the the position change contributed to some of his injuries um, because he his body wasn't originally built, you know, as a tight end, and so he had to develop that as he went along. That does concern me with Logan Thomas a little bit. Daddy Smalls has been a tight end since I think he can probably remember, Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. So I I would like that um, if he became the starter – but sometimes in the NFL, and I, you have to follow the money. I don't know what Logan Thomas got, but they signed him, and they were they've been very vocal about him so far, and that's why I tend to give the edge to him at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. Proven commodity. Now, Steve, we we we've had you sitting in the back burner. Um, you got the the two defensive positions that we're going to kick off this side of the ball with. So. Uh, <laughs> the cornerbacks and the safety. So obviously we're all tracking that we lost Josh Norman and Quentin run them pockets Dunbar earlier this season. <laughs> we brought back Kendall Fuller, um, but we'll obviously we'll dive into the cornerbacks and then I'll have you transition over to the safeties at your leisure. But uh, I'm very interested to see how you got this position groups or both these position groups uh, coming together for us yeah. this year. I'll start off with the fact that, I'm not going to lie. This group scares me. <laughs> okay. Just like, um, Ellie kind of said, the talent is kind of suspect. Uh, the cornerbacks and the safety scare me when you look at them collectively and I'll, I'll put it like this. It's, it's going to be like, I don't know. The front seven is so good is, is the, and they're going to cover up all the flaws. This, this, defensive back group has and all of a sudden we're going to think this defensive back group is good and then something's going to happen an injury's going to come through COVID's going to hit and we're going to lose some key players either off the defensive line of the front four or a linebacker off the side whether it's Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan and then or Montez Sweat and then they're going to be exposed that's my biggest fear when I look at you know all of these guys in, in, in depth um it's, but the front seven is going to have so much pressure and stuffing the run that I think they're just going to look like they're doing well. Their stats are going to be well. Their, their, their pro football focus numbers are going to be well. Um, and, and that's what scares me. The, the only real quarterback talent we have is Kendall Fuller. And, and then right behind him is, is Fabian Moreau. Um, just looking at some of their performance from last year, clearly Kendall Fuller is number one. I, I know he played a little bit of spot safety at, at, 
at uh, Kansas City. We don't have the luxury of doing that. He has to play cornerback because there's nobody else who can be the, the number one starting cornerback on the team besides Kendall Fuller. I know when we had him originally before the Alex Smith trade, he was in the slot and he was dominant. But you have someone like that, he's going to be your number one. We're not going to miss anything with Josh Norman being gone. Granted, our scheme probably didn't favor towards Josh Norman, you know, man-to-man a lot. He's his own guy, but we're going to be – he's going to be the number one. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of their names who are on the cornerback roster, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. So Kendall Fuller, Aaron Colvin, Ronald Darby, Danny Johnson, Greg Stroman, Jimmy Moreland, Jeremy Reeves, Maurice Smith, and Simeon Thomas. So that right there is about – that's who's on the depth chart – excuse me, the roster for the Redskins right now. Typically – a team keeps about seven cornerbacks. You can probably, you know, plus or minus one on that. So with that being said for quarterbacks, um, I was looking at a lot of the PFF stats from last year and, and clearly Kendall Fuller was the number one cornerback. He was ranked 36th of all cornerbacks uh, on a pro football focus. The next person is, <laughs> and this is not who I'm saying going to start, but it, it was Greg Stroman. He was 66, but you got to look at his snap count. It was much smaller followed by uh, Simeon Thomas at 75th, and then Jimmy Moreland at 82nd. And then bringing up the rear was Danny Johnson at 97th, Ronald Darby at 113th, and Aaron Coven at 114th. So if you ask me, I think Kendall Phil is going to start at cornerback. I think you're going to go with a proven veteran at Ronald Darby across from him at number two. And I think Jimmy Moreland's going to be in the slot. I don't know enough about Simeon Thomas um, to say that whether he's going to get a – yeah maybe um but it like the cornerback group is really scary it i I don't know why we didn't go out and you know draft more or find a free agent but outside of a row i mean it's they invested in the front seven i will give them that and maybe they're relying on the front seven to um really make up for the lack of talent in the, in the cornerbacks, which is a technique. We, we've seen it done before. Um, but the cornerbacks scare me. So I, I think it's going to be Fuller. I think it's going to be Darby. I think it's going to be Moreland. And then the rest are up for grabs. Uh, I, I think that the, the roster, the people that make it, if we're going to go seven, it's going to be Colvin, Darby, Johnson, Stroman. No um, Fabian Moreau? No, Moreland, Thomas, and, and Fabian Moreau and Fuller. And I think that Jeremy – I'm sorry – Fabian Rowe will be across from Kendall Fuller. I completely left that out. I'm sorry. Fabian Rowe will be across from, from Kendall Fuller, not not Aaron, Ronald Darby. But I mean, definitely, definitely Ron, no Calvin. That motherfucker. No, 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 like no, 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 no. Years and got zero. He'll, he'll, he'll be a backup. Ronald Darby's a veteran. He'll probably he'll probably be the number three. He won't be in the slot. I don't think he'll be in the slot. I think he'll back up Fuller or Fabian Rowe. I'm sorry, I left out Fabian Rowe. My apologies. Calvin um, ain't making the team. Um, and I don't think Jeremy. I don't know enough about Jeremy Reeves or Maurice Smith to say they make the team or not as well. Uh, they're both they're both uh, unranked from last year. Pro Football Focus. They don't have enough experience, enough enough numbers. So it, it's it's going to be tough. The cornerback group is scary. It's it's scary. It's not. There's no proven commodity. So we're just going to see how this how this weighs out. But like I said, they got the advantage of having a strong front seven. So there's going to be some we'll call them some false positives that come out. But between Fuller and Moreau locking down the outside and, and Jim, Jimmy Moreland on the on the slot, I guess that's okay for your first three. But. Stroman don't make the team? No, Stroman will make the team for sure. Stroman makes the team with five corners. No, I think they keep seven. I mean, typical, they keep between six and seven cornerbacks. That's typical. Um, so Fuller, Moreau, D- 
Darby, Strowman, Moreland, and then Simeon Thomas would be six. And then seven, you could – I mean, you have Danny, Danny Johnson, Jim, Jeremy Rees, Maurice Smith. Aaron Coven, I'm not counting to make. So that's – He's terrible. I don't between, like- between those three, Maurice Smith, Jeremy Reeves, and, and Danny Johnson, you pick one, right? And that's your seven. So Coven is the worst defensive back in the NFL. Yeah, he was ranked – he's the worst-ranked PFF guy on our roster right now for cornerbacks from, from last year. I think, so, I think Reeves plays safety for us. I think does he? Okay. They yeah, have, they get, so, so, on the roster, they have him listed as just DB. So, mm-hmm. it's, really, it's really hard to tell. I, I couldn't tell specifically. Yeah, I, I think he makes a roster, but I think he's a backup free safety. Okay. Um, I do think Colvin like makes the roster, too. I do, too. As well. How? How? He's the worst. He is, but I think – I mean – He has he no interceptions ever. In, <laughs> don't look up a comment. This is crazy, though. Think about this for a second. Think about this. If you wanted to look the nigga up on YouTube to see his highlights, none of them are interceptions, and he's a defensive back, dog. He's been in the league for years. That nigga draws a pension for not getting an interception, bro. <laughs> I, I think he makes it, though. Hell no. He's t- better in I literally have the same amount of interceptions as Colvin does in the NFL, and he's played zero, five years. Seven years and zero interceptions. Zero interceptions. You looked it up. You thought I was lying? That nigga has no interceptions, dog. <laughs> I know. I know this shit. The dude has no interceptions. I remember when we picked him up, somebody said, oh, man, we got Colvin. I someone looked this nigga up. First thing I seen was no interceptions. I was like, man, Google must be – they must have ran out of another other numbers or something to put beside the zero. He had none, dog. Ouch. It's not looking can, I, can I remind people of something? Because everyone looks at how bad Aaron Colvin is. He was, what, number 114 Yeah, on PFF? Mm-hmm. Who was number 113? Josh Darby. Darby. <laughs> <laughs> Darby. Darby. Hold on. Let me look it up. It is uh, – 113 is Darby. Please be still Cravens. Yeah, 113 is Darby. I have it written right here. It's Ronald Darby. I mean, yeah. I bet Ronald Darby Ronald has an interception. People are thinking there are people who are fans of this team who think Ronald Darby is going to start for us. Those people need to put the crack pipe down because Ronald Darby is ass. He always hurt too. <laughs> Here's the thing though, Darby, he he had a really bad year last year, but like looking at his PFF ratings, like 2015-76, he was 12th out of 112. 2016-38 2017, 22nd, 2018, 38th, and yeah. then last year, 113. He got he, hurt. He got, he hurt. got the – well, and he got the non awesome treatment. They played him out of position in a system that doesn't fit his skill set, that, and it showed that, up last year. That's how I him, feel about him. Like, been bad every year for seven years, bro. Because the only time I've ever watched Darby play was last year. Yeah, with Philly. Good. I mean, it's – Good. Yeah. That's like Maybe just that's now watching wrestling. They, they had him playing out of position, and for DBs, that matters big time. I'm not saying he's great, but I think he's a little bit better than we give him credit for. Absolutely. I don't know if he'll start because I think for years, Fabian Moreau has been spoken of as the most naturally talented DB that we have on the roster. He just couldn't get on the field because of And health. he's fast as fuck. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that's cornerbacks. Uh, moving into the safeties. Um, it, it, so right now on the roster, minus what Ellie just informed me about, um, who was it, Jeremy Reeves? Mm-hmm. They just have listed as DB, but they're those listed as safety. 
Um, there's only two free safeties listed on the depth chart right now. That's Sean Davis and Troy Atke. So that's a given. I'm, I'm, now I'm not going to go off PFF numbers because you'll get pissed off because Troy Atke was 19 in safeties, but he only had 210 snaps from last year. So I like Troy Atke. It's kind of BS. I, I don't agree with it. I think Sean Davis will be our starting free safety. Um, that's just me, but based on uh, – There's no question. He yeah, is. exactly, exactly. So – I kind of I kind of like Sean Davis. Um, I think he'll do well. He, he's got some some pretty good agility, and I think he's definitely more durable. Tracky Tracky could not stay healthy. That was the problem we have with him. He could not he could not stay healthy, and then he was on the field. He didn't really he didn't really do much. He was very out of position. Yeah, all he, the time. Oh, there's a couple of plays I remember where it was just so frustrating. I just want to throw the remote at my television where. He would be like two steps late breaking on something that he had plenty of time to break to, mm-hmm. um, it, over the top. And then he was fast enough too. He, but, uh, yeah, but it didn't make up for his lack of not knowing that he needed to step off three steps early. His speed didn't help him. So I don't know. Man, is Sean Davis? Yeah, it'll be Sean Davis. He has trap. He has zero awareness. He has no football IQ, and. He has speed, and he should not have been a fourth-round pick, by the way, um, for a special teams player. He uh, he makes me very nervous at safety. Sean Davis terrifies me as a free safety in this offense. I mean, excuse me, this defense, which I think plays a lot of cover one. Um, his Sean Davis's scouting report says that he's he can hit um, at times. He will make plays, but he sucks at tackling. Like he will just give up the most awful tackle. And then when he's the only deep safety, that's not really what you want back there. Hopefully they can coach some of that out of him. Um, but, and I know he had some really good seasons or parts of seasons with Pittsburgh. Yep. He him almost, just, he almost had three full years at Pittsburgh as a starter. Yeah. Man, he's fucking Bakari Rambo. Yeah. yeah. Nah, better. I think he's a little bit better than Rambo. I mean, three full seasons, 16, 16 and 15 games. He had three picks in 2017. He about. 62 tackles, 90 tackles, 75 tackles. So there is some potential there, but I think we, Rambo is a perfect comp for him. Yeah, if we have options though, I'm still choosing him over Tracky. Oh, we're going ten times out of ten. What's going to happen is he's going to suck. We're going to we're going to end up putting Fuller back there. Oh, I hope not. I mean, you ha- you probably have more more uh, flexibility at cornerback than you do at free safety. But is Rogers Cromartie not there anymore? I don't see him on. Long. He's not listed on the roster. I don't know where he is. He did not need a seventy-year-old free safety. He was old last year. Yeah, he's been old for a while. He still was like third in the fastest man in the NFL contest or something, wasn't he? Did they even do that anymore? Yeah, thirty-four. I don't know. I don't know where who. I think he's a. Is he a free agent? I think he's a free agent. Yes. Um, moving on. Is Kaliki Hudson maybe still going to play strong safety? Is he moving to linebacker? Special teams. I don't think he's doing much on defense, personally. He's a fast-ass linebacker. He plays linebacker. I mean, they're, they're still the Sager effort, but I think they had him listed as a strong safety. So the strong safety is a tradition, tradition of that. I mean, it's Landon Collins. There's no question. He's he's the guy. I love Landon. He's great. He's great in everything except for pass coverage. Um, and that, we don't pay him to be a pass coverage guy, so I'm not – there should be no expectations of him being a pass coverage guy. We pay him to stuff the run. We pay him to 
kind of play in the box. We pay him to kind of clean up the flat. So he, he does what, exactly what he needs to do uh, for his position, and he, he's really good at it. Um, I believe he was the – he's in top five for the, the, against the, the run. So he's where he needs to be. The other two listed on the roster is the Shazer Everett and Cameron Curl. I know nothing about this guy named Cameron Curl. He's on the roster, but I, I can't tell you anything about him. They just have him listed as a um, uh, safety. So he, he's lighter. He's only 206, so he's probably a free safety. But um, fast guy. Yeah, so maybe he'll back up Sean Davis, maybe Trapping in the league team. I don't know. Um, from a safety perspective, usually teams keep four safeties, and that's across both free and strong safety. So if you're looking at two safeties on each uh, for each one, I mean, starters, Sean Davis, Landon Collins, backups. I mean, I only know DeShazer Everett, but his numbers were really bad. Um, so he could back up Collins at, at, at strong safety and your free safety. I don't know enough about Cameron Curl or Jeremy Reeves, so I'll just go Troy Apke. So it, it's tough. Like I said. Shazar Everett's like the black uh, Reed Doherty. Like, he just keeps, he keeps <laughs> hanging around, bro. Like, I, like who's this motherfucker next to him? And I, like, you're like, he's one of the guys like, oh, man, they're going to throw it to Shazar Everett. And then he'll pick it off and you're like, well, he still sucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck that dude, that's, man. That's I, so true. He, he, had a, he, had, he had a couple of picks last year. Every like, year I count that dude I, out. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know he was on the team last year. And he shows up with yeah, a couple of picks. Got more interceptions than Colvin's ass. <laughs> Look, man, if Colvin makes the team, dog, I'm not going to make any bet because he's going to make the team. I already know something dumb's going to happen. That dude's terrible. Yeah. I, Steve, I, I think the biggest takeaway that we could take from your segment is that pray, pray – Colvin sucks, but pray for these two positional groups, cornerback and safety, because their production is wholly dependent upon the front seven. I will want to now transition to, I think we're go. let's go with Dev and talk linebackers. Uh, Phil, you'll close it out with defensive linemen next. Um, I think we, we all kind of know how the front four are going to shake up. And right now I think we have the third ranked, defensive line. Um, I forgot who put that article out, whether it was ESPN or PFF. I think it was PFF. So with that being said, before we transition to Phil, Dev, I would definitely like to know how you think the linebacker core is going to shake out. Uh, right now we have what? Uh, Ryan Anderson, John Bostic, Ruben Foster, Sean Deion Hamilton, Josh, Harvey Clemens, Cole Holcomb, uh, Kaliki Hudson, if he plays strong or a linebacker, or Thomas Davis, uh, some guy I've never really heard of, Jared Norris. I know he played a little bit at Carolina, but he was a special teams guy. A guy might surprise everybody, uh, Kevin, Pierre, Lewis, whatever. And I don't know what they're going to play Kerrigan at. That's still up in the air with Anderson, but. Give us your, gotta, give, us, give, us your of, give us your top three, inside, outside, outside. I, middle linebacker, I'm going to go. I think I want to say Ruben Foster. Can't depend on him. But I'm a, if, if Ruben Foster is healthy, Ruben Foster, I think, starts middle linebacker. I think the other two linebackers is going to be uh, Thomas Davis. I want to say maybe Sean Deion Hamilton, just because I think they like him. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be uh, 
Cole Holcomb. I think that's the safest pick. To start? Yeah, I think so. Because Ron Anderson, from what I understand, is going to be playing defensive end. Kerrigan, from what I understand, is probably going to be playing defensive end. So who do you have outside? Besides, you know, you have Thomas Davis, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Who did you say you think he's going to be in the inside, the middle linebacker? So, like, the quarterback. I think Ruben Foster, Foster plays middle linebacker. I think if, he's the if, best if, suited for it. I agree. If he's not ready, though. If, if he's not ready, it's Sean Dion Hamilton's job, I think. Sean Dion Hamilton. Okay. Not Thomas Davis? I think Thomas Davis plays outside. Outside, okay. I think Thomas Davis is the captain, no matter what, just because he's right. old as old as freaking dirt. I still, I still in the believe – I'm still – in my heart, I believe Kerrigan's going to still play strong side. Just so he's a starter. Not saying he's going to play there all the game or get most of the snaps, but I think he, when they show the name with the starters on the screen, he's going to be penciled in as starting linebacker. Just because they want to keep Sweat and Young on the field. I hope Ruben Foster is healthy and ready to go, man. That dude is untapped potential. He's going on his fifth year in the league at Alabama, and we've had him for – this will be his second year. Right. And – if he's starting it inside a middle linebacker, a game changer, game changer, and then that means that I don't he's know the best player on our team. If he's the best player on our defense, I think if he's healthy, not knowing what Chase Young is yet, obviously. I'm interested with you saying Kerrigan's going to start as a linebacker. Man, I mean, I just see I see it happening that way because whether you like it or not, he's been playing stand up linebacker for ten years. And he have, obviously hasn't been bad at it. Shit. You know, he hasn't been bad at it. He hasn't <laughs> been bad at it. You know, he hasn't unless, been bad unless he has at to go it. into pass coverage. Then. Right, right. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> but you know, you're gonna have to have a linebacker that nowadays teams line up with more than one tight end. Both linebackers have to be big on the outside now. They don't have to be really small anymore or to be those outside linebackers that play on the weak side. So I think he could play strong side linebacker. For for first down and second downs, you take him out, and then on third and fourth downs, if you put him in, put him at defensive end. I think it could happen. I'm terrified if I see him step one step off the. You know how menacing that would be if you had him out there with Sweat, with uh, Young, with Ioannidis and Payne or Allen, whichever one of those guys start. I mean, you have you have it. So I see where you're going. If you if you're talking a pass rush, and you if you have um, Sweat. And you have Chase Young, and then you put Kerrigan as a linebacker, a rushing linebacker on the outside. Right. I can I can see that, but man, putting Kerrigan in coverage is just scary. The the problem with Kerrigan in coverage is, or as a rush quote unquote linebacker standing up, is you you can't dictate that he's going to rush on every play, right? Because the offense can make adjustments and move yep. some people out, and now he's forced to be in coverage, and they're going to do that the moment that they see him standing up on the field. But haven't they been doing that for 10 years now? What? Whenever they know he's on the field and he's yes. not down as a linebacker. Right. And, he, and, he and he's still made awful. to the Pro Bowl and he's still good. He made I mean, to the I'm Pro Bowl not, off saying, of legacy of some of his choice. rush numbers. He did not make it to the Pro Bowl for his pass coverage. I can promise you that I'm not, much. I'm not, saying he's, I'm not saying he's the best choice of ever to play a coverage type of linebacker. But I'm saying when you look at who's left, you know what I'm saying? Who's better at both combined than him? Like what he gives up as a as a pass coverage guy, he makes up for pass rushing. 
these other guys, what they make up for in pass coverage, don't make up for in pass rushing or tackling or setting the edge. And then I would you rather Ryan Anderson, and he's not athletic go. at all. I would rather see Ryan Anderson in pass coverage than Ryan. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's I would too. But who would you rather see running to the quarterback though? Chase Young, Montez Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you won't? You think Kerry going to be on the bench? I am 100. I mean, I don't yeah. want to say 100 because well, I don't think they put on a legacy, bench. but I, I could see it for sure. You can have such a good rotation notes where they're almost yeah, all. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Just just keep running, you know, rotating them. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. I don't think Kerrigan plays more than those guys if everybody's healthy, obviously. But I'm saying when they when they list out the guys run out and they list the names, Kerrigan's going to be starting on that field somewhere. Who's not going to be starting then? Well, here's the kicker. In doing my research for this defensive line, especially trying to figure out the whole deal with Ryan Anderson, I saw something that caught my eye. Nobody has Reuben Foster pegged is our starting middle linebacker. They have him pegged as starting strong side. Right. Because he's the biggest one outside of Ron Anderson that has any daggone uh, size. Yeah. With Bostic starting in the middle and Thomas Davis on the weak side. Absolutely. Um, Here's the other crazy thing. They have Holcomb backing up um, Ruben Foster on the outside and not Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson – in most depth charts I've seen, is down on the third string. Right. So and I don't know how that is. I've seen some have them not on the team. I've seen some people have them cut. Because there's nowhere to play them. They'll probably trade them, they think. He doesn't fit. He fits a 4-3 strong side better than Cole Holcomb. Yeah. Holcomb's not big enough. Holcomb's a smaller linebacker. Very weak right, at the, the point of attack, too. Yeah. Bill, you want to jump into your defensive line now, man? Yeah, because this transitions well because yeah. we have these these linebackers turning into linemen and vice versa. Um, so we have some of the greatest potential as far as the defensive line of uh, anybody – I've seen a long time, just in terms of the potential. Right now, pro football focus, as everybody's seen, rated us third in the league. And this is based off of having one guy who's played one season and another guy who's a rookie. That's a high, that's high praise, and that's high expectations. There's a lot of potential here. If they live up to that potential, I think they're number one defensive line in the league for a long time too i think no yeah. one on that defensive line is under over 24 right it, unless you count kerrigan yeah well i'll get to kerrigan in a second one of the things i always remember about the the old redskins is that they the, the, the gibbs redskins under richie Pettibone's defense is they had a rotation on their line at all times they rotated seven defensive linemen only one stayed on the field and they would rotate with the other six. The one that stayed on the field was Charles Mann. And I can see them finding that guy to do that. I don't know if it's going to be young or if it's going to be sweat or if it's going to be somebody in the middle, probably one of the ends, whoever they feel more comfortable being out there 100% of the snaps. I can see that. Everybody else becomes part of a rotation. 
we have five really good defensive tackles. Well, three really good ones. And we have two really good backups. Of course, we know about, you know, Allen, Payne, Ioannidis. You got Caleb Brantley down there, who's a solid backup. You got Tim Settle, who's a solid backup. Both, you know, so you can keep that line fresh. We have Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and Ryan Kerrigan that can play defensive end. Supposedly, Ryan Anderson's being looked at as a defensive end, but he better gain 20 pounds fast because right. he just doesn't have the size. Um, I do think that your starting four are going to be all your first-round picks that you've had in, in recent years. You're going to have Young. You don't think Ionitis is going to start? I don't think Ionitis is going to start, but he's going to probably get as many snaps. But I don't know if he's going to be listed as the starter. He is the most disrespected Redskins player we have. Well, I think that they see Ionitis as being a guy who can who can he'll play on either side of that line. Hell, I can actually see some packages where Ionitis or Allen slides out to defensive end on obvious rundowns because both of them can 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 play a little wider. Um, Payne's not that guy. Payne's an interior beast. Um, but there's so much talent you can play with and do weird things. I actually had a thought that you could have a certain pass rushing package where you've got Sweat on one side, you've got uh, Chase Young on the other, and then on the strong side, you have Kerrigan, and he's blitzing. And, you know, you can run packages like that. I would never start with a lineup like that, but you, I would have that package. If I'm Jack Del Rio, I have certain blitz packages with Kerrigan standing out there. Or you put his hand in the dirt, and you got like five linemen, basically. You can run this so many different ways. But I think that you go with the, the young first-round picks to start. Let these investments you've made run but you don't have to wear them into the ground because you've got that depth behind them. So I see that your defensive tackles, you know, the only one, it's going to be Alan Payne, Ioannidis, and you're going to probably see Caleb Brantley or Tim Settle. One of those two is going to make the team. I would lean towards Settle, but Brantley can run rush the passer from the inside too. But I would lean settle. I've always had kind of a soft spot for the big man. Um, on the outside, you know, you've got obviously Sweat and Young. And after that, it's you got Kerrigan. After that, it's foggy. You got Nate Orchard out there who has shown little flashes and a little bit that we've seen. Um, and you've got Ryan Anderson drifting around somewhere between defensive end and and outside linebacker. I think he should be a linebacker. I think he, he fits great into a 4-3 as a strong side because um, he does really well at the point – he does really well at the point of attack, does really well at setting the edge from a stand-up position. I don't know – I don't think he's big enough to do it from hand in the dirt, but he can do it from a stand-up. I still got Ion out of starting over. I think I think he's gonna start over Payne, but I think he should start over Allen. If 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 I were to pick 
ionize the start over one of those guys, I'm with you. It's it's over it's over Allen. And some of that is actually I think more or less because I like my interior uh lineman on, on defense. I like my defensive tackles to be hella strong. You just gotta be able to move people. And right. pain moves people. Pain was right. moving double and triple teams. Ionitis is one of the strongest players in the Ionitis is one of the strongest guys in the NFL. Allen is strong. Let's not get that twisted. Right. But you know. Do you, you guys think do you guys think a five two defense is even possible with today's league? I ask that just because we have a good problem with Payne, Ionitis, Allen. Do you really wanna have not all three of those guys on the field at the same time? And I I know we're more of a passing league and five two more so plays towards like a run defense, but that might be our goal line or our short yardage defense. Can you run it on first or second down though? We should never allow a fourth and one conversion. We shouldn't allow a third and 18 conversion next year. Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Typical Redskins. Oh my gosh. Mm. I think that's interesting to look at though. Like the five, two, it's, we obviously know that it's more of a run defense, but can you use it in a passing league? You know, I got an idea. You run, you can run some five-two packages, but I would find a way to do zone blitz. And here's a crazy idea: but the guy's athletic enough to do it. Have pain drop back into coverage and over the zone. Oh my gosh! Pain, <laughs> stupid fast. I do that in Madden. I, 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 I run the QB spy with Payne or Allen every time <laughs> I play Madden because I suck. <laughs> this is the best group though this is the best problem to have though of all the of all the problems we have on the team with depth this is the best one by far if you ask me and our offense is going to struggle this year defense just because we got a lot of growing pains you know we got a young quarterback young wide receivers an offensive line that we're not sure of the defense is going to see get their fair share of action so I think having the ability to rotate guys in and not lose a beat and not see a drop off, somebody's going to get hurt eventually. You know, somebody's going to get injured. You've got somebody who can just plug right in and you lose nothing. And since football's, you know, won and lost in the trenches, even if it is a passing league, if you can't get to the quarterback or protect the quarterback, you ain't doing shit. We can get to the quarterback. Right. That's one thing we can do. We could get to the quarterback last year without Chase Young. Just imagine now. I think I think Jack is gonna run a five two boys. Early prediction. Not not all times. Not, you, you could have Kerrigan play your linebacker. You'll have a five two package in there. There will be I, there, there will be some plays that run out of that. And I I I think that when you brought that up, the first thing I thought was you can do that. I think Sweat, Dev, I think Sweat would be your linebacker convert in that as far as, like, if you're going to – he'll be lining up as a defensive end, but if he has pass, uh, pass protection or, or – Is it quite possible that Chase Young is our best linebacker and our best defensive end? No. I don't think so. I think he's, he's going to be our best defensive end. I don't, no. I, don't want him, I don't want him to play coverage at all. I just like want Khalil him to get his ears back. And just run forward. Yeah. Just go. 
That's a great. That's a great comp for for young as Khalil Mack. Just and sure that's the best linebacker and the best defensive end on their team. Yeah, but I don't see. I'm, I'm just talking about in terms of what he does Impact. and what Mac does in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, I look at Young and I'm you know, and I have flashes of Javon Kirsch and guys like that. You know, these strong, lean, fast defensive ends who can do all type all all types of things from that position, but their main goal is fuck up that pocket. Right. Ellie, you've been quiet in the segment, man. Yeah, I was I was kind of listening because I agree mainly with what Phil's saying, but I don't think you want to put all your best defensive linemen on the field at the same time. I think in today's NFL, where teams are throwing the ball or running screens so much, you need rotations repeatedly, you know, in and out of the yeah. lineup. So I think you got to keep guys fresh. And if you do run a set where you have all those guys on the field at the same time, your depth becomes a problem and then injuries start to happen. Um, so I would prefer and, – and I do like um, Ioannidis a lot, but I think Phil had it correct and that it would be Allen and Payne as the starters, and then Ioannidis would play a lot. He's probably going to rotate both positions in, in terms of relieving uh, Payne and Allen. But um, we also have Tim Settle too. But I, I, I just – I think we're best when we have healthy rotations at each spot, which is also why I think Kerrigan would be rotating at defensive end. Because um, our, our front seven is – or I shouldn't even say our front seven. Our D-line is really what is the strength of the team. And you don't want to compromise that by trying to get too creative and putting too many of them on the field at the same time. Here's the one question I have, actually. And this is the one that I've been racking my brain on. Who do you put on what side at defensive end? Kerrigan always had oh, – Kerrigan always took strong side in a 3-4. So Sweat naturally went, and he was going up against the left tackle. And I sit here and I think, do you put Chase Young on that side, put him up against the left tackle, or do you put him over right tackle and just have him just raise all kinds of holy hell? Yeah. So the benefit to both. Go ahead, Steve. No, I was going to say, I think you have to define the definition of strong side. You know, growing up, to me, strong side was the – the strong the side of the field that was wide open versus the weak side, which is the field that was closed shut, if that makes sense, depending on what side of the hash mark you want. That was my definition of strong side versus weak side. I think I understand yours is the left tackle, right tackle, but um in this particular case, normally it's yeah, whatever honestly, tight ends on. Right yeah, because Kerr- Kerrigan was on right tackle hundred percent of the time. You put him on the you put him against left tackles, he is not nearly effective as I would say his production would drop, you know, a third of what he of what he did on the against right tackles. But I but mean, Sweat was coming into his own. Yeah, going up against, yeah I say I say put Sweat on against the left tackles because that's where that's your. You put Chase against right tackles, man. He had dudes, dudes gonna eat. But I will say this: when Kerrigan got hurt, Sweat got some action over over, over right tackle, and he made some noise. That's, that's why I would say. That's I why I would say good. keep. I would keep Chase or put Chase over the left tackle, and you can move Sweat over to the right. Just because Sweat has shown production against what should be deemed or typically is deemed the better offensive tackle, um, I think there is value to have what we assume is going to be the most dominant defensive lineman that we have in in, in Chase Young. 
put him on that quarterback's blind side, and then you have a if he gets a quarterback early in the game, he's going to be skittish. I'm pretty sure he's going to light someone up, and then you may have happy feet the rest of the game. And then if you got sweat, another speed rusher coming from the weak side, I guess. Um, against that right tackle, you're still going to have value added. He's going to be faster than that right tackle, um, who is typically the least dominant of the two tackles on the offensive line. So I, 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 if I'm Jack Del Rio, that's the way I'm going to line him up. But we'll see. I think you can switch him over. I mean, we're starting. Oh, I was going to say, I've only seen a limited amount of OSU tape from last year. Um. Because Chase Young, I mean, you know, you, you only had to see a little bit, and you're like, that guy's, you know, dominant. But did they move him around a lot? Because I always see him coming off of right tackle. I think he did play. He played both sides. At least I know he moved around a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I just – every highlight reel I see, it's, he's predominantly coming all over to right tackle. So I didn't know if that was just a preference or if they did move him around. That's, a good, that's something to look into. It's a good question. Um, but I also think, you know, consider that now that most of the league is in pistol and shotgun formations, I think the tackle balance is a little bit better than what it used to be in terms of left to right because there really isn't that much of a, a blind side for quarterbacks. I, To me, it's about matchups and what each player's skill set is. And I think, you know, Sweat is a speed guy more than he is a power guy, at least in pass rush. So I think you'd want to take advantage of guys. And I don't think he has the move set that Chase Young's going to have. So you'd probably put Sweat against guys who struggle against speed rushers, and you could put Chase Young on either side because I think he's the whole package. Um, so I'm, I'm excited just to see them both on the field at the same time. Me too. That's all of us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly can see this defense racking up over 50 sacks. I hope so. Definitely so. on that defensive line. But I hope if- everybody's healthy. Boys, I think I think we're gonna wind this pod down. We're running long. Um, but it's good. It's it's a very, very healthy discussion. I think it's one that needs to be had, especially before training camp uh, actually comes into play. So I'll close it with the most exciting position group, and that's the specialists. Uh, we got kicker Dustin Hopkins, punter Tressway, and long snapper Nick Sunberg. And I'm totally bullshitting you. I'm not going to talk about them. <laughs> I'm more concerned. Oh, is that a debate? I don't know. <laughs> That's not a debate. Those, those dudes have been together since 2015. Tressway came off his first Pro Bowl berth last year. Like that's, that's our three. Barring injury. Knock on wood. I think we're good. I really want to just close this out looking at the punt return, kick returner. So um, we had Trey Quinn and Steve Sims kind of trade those options last year. Um, Antonio Gibson is one that I'm potentially looking at um, to take maybe – it's dependent upon if Steven Sims truly becomes a full-time starter. Um, Maybe Antonio Gibson as a rookie. If we're – kind of sort of slaying him to be the third running back earlier in the segment. Um, we know that we, we think he has that capability to at least be a kick returner. I'm not sure much sort of a punt returner. Um, but for me, my dark horse is undrafted free agent Isaiah Wright. Um, so I'm from Waterbury, Connecticut. Right out there, you know. And he, he's, 
not really have a good hard four four nine, but I think he's kind of tabbed at like a four four or a forty forty yard dash rather. But he's tabbed at like a four four nine speed. Uh, hey, Rodney, you going all the way out, big dog? Are y'all hearing Rodney over there? Nope. Playmaker, you should be talking about. I look Isaiah right. I think if he has good vision, so he's not really the fastest dude. But if he's someone who makes the roster. I just want to talk about that position group specifically. I think that between Antonio Gibson and Zaire Wright, that may be who we see back deep for either a punt return or a kick return in 2020. But I think Phil was getting ready to chime in, so I'll let you go, brother. Oh, no, I was going to chime in about your, uh, you know, your Kansas internet. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I will say um, I think Isaiah Wright, if he makes this team, it's going to be because he can he shows that he can be a playmaker in the punt and kick return game. Um, for some reason, I see Gibson lining up more as a straight kick returner, um, and I think that's just because you know your your kickoff return guys they don't need to be as shifty because you have a lot more room to maneuver. So you don't need that 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 shiftiness. You usually think of punt returns as being the small, shifty, easily maneuverable guys. Whereas, you know, I think Gibson, because he's got a lot of straight line speed and does well in the open field, would be more of a kickoff return guy. But it also means that his impact is limited there. But Isaiah Wright does show a lot of that that classic punt returner style. So if he does make the team, I see him filling that role. I think Steven Sims Jr. is still going to be returning punts, um, even if he is a full-time slot guy, because he will be a slot guy. Um, but you see that in the league. You'll see guys who start in the slot, but they'll also, you know, return punts and so forth. So it wouldn't – it's not unprecedented or anything. I think you'll know a lot about what Gibson's playing role is based on the special teams usage. Um I think I agree with you on uh, kick returns. Punt return-wise, I think it's probably a little bit more telling. Um, Isaiah Wright, I think, is I, – I just I haven't seen enough of him to say what he can or cannot do and whether or not being a punt returner justifies him being on the team for that alone. Um, I think he, he's got to show something as a receiver to even be on the roster. Um, otherwise, Trey Quinn, Trey Quinn can return punts if he makes the roster as a receiver. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I'd probably prefer to see Gibson do it all um, as receiver and returner, just because he's, you know, punt return. You can have some some wiggle, but you can also get by, with just kind of being a one cut and go guy too. So would love yeah. be a return option. No, I mean, how can he be when he's had so many injuries? I, I mean, you put him in some really risky positions if you want to get anything out of him at the running back spot. No, love wasn't much in the way of that in college either. So, I mean, you want a guy who's done it. Um, so I wonder how we hide Love on a team then as a third or fourth running back when he doesn't play any specials. I don't think you do. Yeah, it's a challenge. Well, the thing is, is that he may be the guy that comes into tandem with, with Geis in normal packages. If Geis AP, or AP don't play specials. Hold on. Love's not even going to see this field until at least midseason. But if AP doesn't come back next year, I think Love takes that spot. 
based on what we know, based on what we know now, cards subject to change, but knowing what we know now, that's how kind of how I look at it, is that right now you have a backfield of guys and AP are being looked at as the two traditional star, you know, starting type backs. If AP's not here next year, that falls to Geis and Love. Yeah. I, I agree with you, man. What's the chances we trade AP? Nothing. Nothing. Zero point zero. I, I think there's a better chance of Love not making the roster than there is of AP being traded either this year or next year. I mean, it, I hope for the sake of the Redskins that AP is not on the team next year because it means we still have not found any answers at the running back position. I like AP, but it's we, he shouldn't be starting this year. I mean, honestly, we can do some cool things and whatnot, but he's, he's a, a running back of the past. Uh, and so if, if, if things are going well for us, then Geis is starting. And um, Gibson is playing behind Geis because there's no reason for Gibson to start over Geis based on, I guess experience and talent, but just availability is is the big question mark. And I don't I just wondered if maybe they 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 see something they love is ready, and they like their young running back core so much they give AP kind of a, a good head start to go to a team like Tampa Bay or somewhere. We they went out on top. Nah, if they were gonna do that, they would do that early in the off season when teams didn't draft running backs and sign guys. I, AP doesn't bring anything to Tampa. He the only offense he brings things to are offenses that are like really run heavy, right? Tom Brady likes to throw to running backs. He's not throwing that ball to AP. You know, there's it's got it's a right fit thing, and there's not a lot of teams out there that are still right fits for AP at this point. Maybe Houston, but that ship sailed last year. You know what I'm saying? So it's we're the only thing he has, in my opinion, to stay in this league and be relevant. Um, and I don't, you know, honestly, I don't care if he does or not, but. Um, like I said, you know, it just I, – I love – love is another one of those guys that's a lot of talent in college, but he hasn't been on the field at all. And, and his injuries are serious, and he had another issue on top of the last injury. Just There's too much there that we haven't seen uh, to even project him to be on the roster. Out of the fact, you just said that if he sits out on PUP this year for five or six games on top of being out last year and then injured in college before he got here, you're asking the guy that's been out of football for two years to come in and play running back over right. guys that hopefully would have been playing a year or so. Exactly. I don't know. I, 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 the lack of news, I don't know if it's COVID or not with that. I don't know if it's just – there's just been nothing. You don't hear there's a setback. I mean, you don't hear that he's progressing. You've heard nothing. Right. I haven't heard anything about – Foster either. I was looking at that when we were talking about him to see if there's any updates. And it's, it's weird because there's no posts on social media from these guys. Um, and maybe they've been asked not to. Bryce Love hasn't posted anything since last year. I think Foster's posted a couple things. Um, Love's, not, Love's not a social media guy. Look, I, that, that's something that should be known. Okay. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of an old soul like that. Like he's not big into IG and things like that. And if you ever read the article that or the column that he wrote right after he was drafted, you could tell this guy he he's very traditional in how he approaches a lot of things. Yeah. Um, whether you see it's good or bad, he's not a dude out there marketing himself and uh, and all that. He 
Bryce Love just good puts in work, which probably part of the reason why I really like the guy. He's a dude who work, puts in work. I would have loved to have a preseason to see him play. Yeah. Uh, just right. made all the that is going to be the most painful thing against him and every other player who's trying to come back from an injury. Yeah, most serious guys included. So. Oh, gentlemen, I think we rocked the pod this week. Um, it's very long, but I, I think the discussion was uh, long overdue. We we had talked about putting this roster pod together for a long time, um, but we know our franchise has been mired in controversy the past couple of weeks. Um, but thank you for your input and your feedback tonight. Um, I, I think that our most glaring positions of concern are what Steve talked about, cornerback and safeties, um, potentially offensive line as well. Um, I think we're better. I, I think we stand much better than we all expected. At least I expected us to be standing uh, this offseason as far as roster goes. Sucks that we won't be able to see these dudes play in the preseason. Um, we're going to essentially have a preseason when the real season starts. It's going to be very sloppy. Um, hopefully, I think there's only eight padded practices in the, the, the agreement this year. So um, it sucks because there's some good fringe players that aren't going to really get a chance to, to make their impression or they go absolutely apeshit in practice and they make a lasting impression by fucking someone else up. Are they going to be able to scrimmage each other? I don't know, man. I have no idea. With the way that these new COVID rules are set up, it seems like it's going to be as low impact as possible until the game start. I wonder counting. why the NFLPA agreed to not have preseason. They wanted it. The younger guys some chance. Well, that explains it. That they wanted it. I mean, here's the thing: who makes up the PA, the NFLPA, the established right. players? It's not right. rookies. So um, those dudes are looking to the left or right. Like, psh, fuck that man. Like, that's the interest to keep veterans in the league. Yes, at the behest of the, uh, at the detriment rather of the of the rookie. So. I'm in the union, I know. <laughs> you probably are. Probably are. But uh, I got nothing else, boys. Um, for me, this is still hail to the Redskins addicts. Um, that's all I'll say on the name this week. But uh, any parting shots before we drift away? Fuck Max Kellerman. Fuck LeBron James. Fuck Aaron Colvin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Preston Marshall. <laughs> I, I like guys. I really do. People out there don't think I hate them. I don't hate guys. He uh, hates you guys. Come on the podcast. Whoop his ass. His address is one. <laughs> but, we hey, love, but, but we love, but we love Mark Griffin and B Mitch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do like B Mitch. Hey, one thing, one thing. What was that about him and Ripping getting into it? I kind of, I was at work, but I was kind of half ass listening to it. But he was like, I'm going to go talk to him face to face, man to man. Was it Ripping? I haven't heard it. I don't understand. He was saying that uh, something about he got mad because the nineteen established nineteen thirty two the Washington the Washington football team Uh, versus and he was like, yeah, I I I went three Super Bowls for the Redskins. I didn't play for the uh, Washington football team. Yeah, it wasn't established. They should make that established two thousand twenty. I was like, oh, you just got mad. I think it was ripping. First of all, he only won two Super Bowl rings. He can't claim all three. That's true. And and he was on the bench for one of them. But, uh, yeah, because I had heard Charles Band too. 
Yeah, that might have been Charles Mint. Maybe I'm wrong and it's ripping. That's why I asked her on the chat who said it. I was like, who said that? But I caught the end of it. I know B. Mitch was mad, said he's going to go talk to him man to man or whatever about it. Some I've shit. seen I've seen Charles Mann in person recently, and I don't know if B. Mitch is is, <laughs> is taking that one. Just, <laughs> you know, Charles Mann. Him. Charles Mann doesn't age, and Charles Mann at all. Yeah, not, he doesn't. You know, that dude's that dude's in his fifties, and will lay you out in <laughs> straight up. Wow. Now I'm talking about from when he gets up from his chair. That <laughs> that dude's bad. You, I'm, still you, going, I'm still going to be Mitch. You taking B Mitch just because of the street, man. <laughs> I'm taking B Mitch. No, B Mitch the type that carry a shiv on him. Oh, uh, all right. Since we're talking about fighting, who y'all got? Roy Jones Jr. or Mike Tyson? Tyson. Tyson. Everybody got Tyson. Me too. So that means I got to go place a bet on Roy Jones just because. Go ahead, lose some money. <laughs> y'all be safe, man. Hail, hail, fellas. <laughs> To the Washington football team. FTW. WFT. H-T-T-W-F-T. Something like that. WTF is right. TGI Friday. Later. (laughs) Fucker and Colby.